just quickly, I got to go fast today just because we got a lot, but just quickly, uh, Brayden and Andrew spent eight, nine hours up here this week fixing stuff that you can't see, but it works. Uh, Brian and Barry spent hours up here fixing stuff. If you look, you can see. Um, so thank you guys just for being servants. And um, anyway, there was one other thing. Oh, right. Acts 17. The first half of today's sermon, you guys are going to be shouting amen, nodding your head because you agree with it. Second half of the sermon is going to be weird. So um, it's fine. It's just the Bible's weird. History's weird. Um, so if you have questions and whatever, like ask them, you know, don't just be like, well, that was weird and, and move on. It's just I'm telling you now. OK, XMT. <clears throat> In the past. Paul speaking to a, a Gentile audience. In the past, God overlooked your ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this, okay, this being that he has appointed a man to do all this stuff at the Lord's day. He has given proof of this <clears throat> to all men by raising him from the dead. This is God's word. So we're doing the apostolic witness. What was the, the witness that the apostles received from Jesus, from the prophets, from Moses that we have now been handed? And last week we surveyed the scriptures and saw that the hope of the gospel, what the prophets and the apostles bore witness to, and what we want to bear witness to, is ultimately the restoration of all things. What's the good news? God's going to save the world. Okay, everyone easy okay um it's the undoing of the curse it's creation being set free from its bondage to decay it's the undoing of death the the um, righteous being raised to everlasting life the wicked being raised to everlasting condemnations it's the end of the stories is revelation 21 a new heaven and a new earth and a new jerusalem and the dwelling place of god with man god wiping away every tear from our eye no more crying no more pain no more mourning no more sadness no more sickness no more death Fill in the blank, no more of it, okay? That's the hope of the gospel. That's the what, okay? Um, the restoration of all things triggered at the day of the Lord. And so today we're going to look at the who, okay? For you people with, with questions, who? Who is responsible for all of these things, okay? Who is going to uh, reward the righteous? Who is going to judge the wicked forever? Who's going to save the world, who do you think? Ghostbusters? <laughs> Jesus. Jesus is going to save the world, okay? God's Messiah, okay? And, uh, in, that's Hebrew. God's Christ in, in Greek just means appointed, anointed one, okay? So this is what Paul preached. He has set a day, the day of the Lord from last week, which triggers the restoration of all things. He has set a day when he will judge the world with justice himself, how? How is God going to do this? By the man that he has appointed, okay? This isn't necessary, okay? God could just open the heavens and do the bit himself, but in his wisdom, in his sovereignty, he said, I'm going to appoint an agent to do the thing on my behalf. Acts 3 from last week, therefore repent that he may send Jesus, the Christ, appointed for you, anointed, set apart for this task to be an agent to do the bit, so the what of the apostolic witness is the day of the Lord, and God has chosen, God has anointed, God has appointed an agent 
for these things, okay? Someone else is going to do the bit, all right? God has chosen one man to save all men. And this isn't something that Peter and, and, and Paul made up in those sermons, all right? They just said, you know what? This sounds like a good idea. We should say this. It's, it's not how it come about, okay? Among the Jews in the first century especially, the expectation of what is already clear. God's anointed will, at the day of the Lord, he's going to restore all things. He's going to judge the wicked. He's going to reward the righteous. Everyone and their dog knows that. And following last week's pattern, this expectation of, of what, of God's Messiah, begins in Genesis. Remember last week we said the restoration of all things? You start Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God made everything, and he said, good. And at the end, everything will be Good. So same way with this. God appoints a Messiah in the beginning. So after the rebellion of the powers in the heavens, after the rebellion of man on the earth, the Lord preaches the gospel to the serpent and to the woman, saying, Genesis 3, cursed are you. You will eat dust all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you, hatred between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He, so a male son, he will crush your Head. In our song, we sing cut off because it rhymes better, okay? He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So right at the beginning, Genesis 1 to Genesis 3, the Lord chooses to appoint a male child from the woman to mediate God's punishment on Satan and Satan's offspring and restore the world to its very good beginning, okay? Genesis 1, it's all very good. Genesis 3, it falls apart. Genesis 3 said, God, we're going to get back there, and I'm going to do it through the child of this woman. Capiche? Okay, good. God's anointed one, then just what we see right at the start, comes about genealogically, okay? Comes through a womb. The Messiah is a son, okay? It's a male child. And so what do Adam and Eve do next after the fall and after the promise? What do they do? They start having babies. They, they start having kids. Why? Because God said, the one that comes out of your womb, that's going to be the one to crush the serpent's head and bring about the redemption, bring about rest from the curse. So they have Cain and Abel. Does that work out? Cain and Abel, good story or bad story? Bad story. They kill you. Okay. He kills them, all right? They don't, they don't work out. So they have more kids. And later on in the genealogy, we find one named Seth. Seth means appointed. Appointed for what? To undo the curse, okay? Well, Seth doesn't work out. Later, Lamech has a son, and Lamech's son is Noah. Noah means rest. Rest from what? Rest from the curse, the undoing of the whole thing. Genesis 5, 29. This one, this child, will bring us relief. From the agonizing labor of our hands caused by the ground, the Lord is cursed, okay? Like they're just looking. They're having kids because they're looking for the child who's going to undo what happened in the rebellion. So the point is that the Messiah is a son, okay? Comes about <clears throat> genealogically. But as the story in the Bible moves on, we find out that this agent is a son, is a king. Genesis 22, I will surely bless you, talking to Abraham, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of the heavens. Your offspring shall possess the gates of his enemies. Okay, he's going to punish the wicked. And in your offspring and your children shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. So a kingly son of Abraham now will punish the wicked. He will possess the gates of his enemies and he will reward the righteous. All the nations of the earth, assumedly repentant and humble before Yahweh, will be blessed 
by the same guy, okay? So the agent's doing the same thing, judging the wicked, rewarding the righteous, making all things new. Genesis 49, Judah from, the, from Abraham, your brothers shall praise you, your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. It's not exactly Genesis 3, but neck, head, crushing them. Okay? The scepter that kings hold shall not depart from Judah. The ruler's staff from between his feet until tribute comes to him. And to him, to this seed, this offspring of Abraham, this offspring of Eve, this offspring of Judah, to him shall be the obedience, not just of Abraham's people, but of all the peoples. Okay? All the nations of the earth are going to obey this lion from the tribe of Judah. Okay? She's coming about through birth. This same hope then from Eve to Abraham gets clarified even more as it reaches David, okay? 2 Samuel 7 is probably next to Genesis 3 and Genesis 12. 2 Samuel 7 is one of the most important chapters in your entire Bible. The prophet says to David, when your days are fulfilled, when you die, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body. I will, or from his wife's body, right? Guys, we don't do a lot. I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name. I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father. He shall be to me a son. Okay, it's the same story. It's an echo from Genesis. Now it's resounding out with David. So God has an appointed agent who is a son, who is a king, who will do the day of the Lord and will make all things new. Psalm 2, which the apostles just love. The kings of the earth, they set themselves, the rulers take counsel together against who? Against the Lord and who? His anointed, his Messiah, his, his Christ, saying, let us burst their bonds apart, let us cast their cords away from us. Then he, the Father, will speak to them in his wrath, terrify them in his fury, and say, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. More on that holy hill in a second. The Lord said to me, verse 7, you are my son. Hey, let's go, <laughs> You are my son. Today I've begotten you. Kiss the son, verse 12, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Okay, so the agent is a son, is a king who will punish the wicked and reward the righteous, who will do the day of the Lord. Psalm 89, which is the psalmist's commentary on what Nathan said to David in 2 Samuel 7. Okay, like that's what the psalms are. We've got the whole story of the Bible, doesn't really tell you a lot, and then the psalms say this is what it means. This is what's happening. So Psalm 83, I've made a covenant with my chosen, with my anointed one. I have sworn to David, my servant, I will establish your seed. Genesis 3, Genesis 12, Genesis 17, Genesis 22. I will establish your seed forever and build up your throne to all generations. But I shall crush, Genesis 3, his adversaries before him and strike those who hate him, who hate God's anointed son. He will cry to me, you are my father, my God, the rock of my salvation. I shall also make him my firstborn, the highest of the kings of all the earth. Throughout the ministry of Jesus, what does he, is he always talking about? My father, okay? My father saying, I'm the Psalm 2, I'm the Psalm 89, anointed one of God, the firstborn, the highest of all the kings on the earth. Here I am, okay? Five, six, dark-skinned Jewish guy. This is me. Hey, you know what I mean? This is what he's doing. So the appointed agent to do the restoration of all things on God's behalf is a son, and he is a king. And Christians are okay with this, okay? 
We actually love this. I mean, it's, this is our, our, whole, our whole bit. We were supposed to sing All Hail King Jesus today, and I forgot to change it. Sorry. <laughs> All Hail King Jesus. We love that song. We sing that song, and you guys get after it. All right? We love that, that Jesus is king. We love that Jesus is God's appointed agent and son to make everything new. And if you've listened you know, to my teaching for the last six years, there hasn't been one sermon where directly or indirectly, we don't go back to Genesis 3.15 and talk about crushing the serpent's head. VBS was all about crushing the serpent's head. Is Jaron here? Probably will be this year too. I don't know what else to preach. You know, like this is what we talk about. God has appointed this man to fix everything. Hallelujah. That's why we sing Maranatha. Even so, come Lord Jesus and do it. Like this is, Christians love this. We love it. It, It's, it's, God has appointed a man and that man is Jesus. That, I mean, we, we are good with that. We love that. And rightfully so. I mean, rightfully so. However, and this is where things get weird, especially for Gentiles, and I'm, I'm just how it is, okay? We can't rightly discern and therefore rightly order our lives around the apostles' gospel unless we understand that not only has God appointed a man, a king, a son to restore the earth, God has also appointed a family, a nation, a land, a city, a house, and a throne to do it, Okay? This is where it gets weird, and it's just, it's just how it is, okay? The chosen man, the chosen agent of God, the Son of God, will administrate. He will lead. He will delegate the blessing and the healing of all the nations of the earth through a chosen family, through the Hebrews, through the Israelites, through the Jews, Genesis 3. So back to God's calling of Abraham. So Genesis 3 is the rebellion. Genesis 6 is the flood. By Genesis 11, are humans doing great or doing horribly? They're doing horribly in Genesis 11. It's the Tower of Babel, okay? Andrew wanted to build a tower to the heavens this week, and I said, Andrew, no. Don't do that. It ends badly, right? So they build their their tower, and then God scatters the nations. And out of those 70 nations, God chooses one nation and said, this will be my nation. These other 69 nations, they get other gods. They get Baal and Marduk and whoever. You guys, you get Yahweh, and your job is to turn these other nations to worship Yahweh alone. So Genesis 11 is Babel. Genesis 12, this is what we get. The Lord God said to Abram, who was scattered at Babel, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. Why? What's the purpose of election? Why is is Abraham's family chosen? So that you will be a blessing to those nations that were scattered. Does that make sense? Super easy. So, I mean, we read over, but Abraham, your family, your job is to bless and turn them. And what's blessing? What review just, we're gonna hit this real hard on Easter. What is blessing? If the curse is that man goes into the dirt and dies, the blessing is what? We raise from the dead, okay? You will be a blessing. You will bring about the redemption to all people. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you. I will curse and in you, Abraham, all the families, those other 69 nations will be blessed. Right after Genesis 11, God's got a plan, okay? He, he's, he knows what's going on. And so I point this out to, again, this grinds on you. It just does. It's just how it is. God has bound himself ethnically, in the unfolding of redemptive history. 
And as people after the Enlightenment, that's just like, what? But it's, the, it's this way, okay? God is, not in a negative way, God is a racist, okay? <laughs> He's a racist. He has he, he ordered redemptive history according to ethnicity. And the path to new creation leads through God's fidelity to Jewish flesh. First half of the sermon was awesome. Second half is weird. I told you, okay? Salvation is Jesus. John 4.22, Jesus says salvation is from the Jews. Just how it is. Just how God and his sovereignty has ordered this. Israel's calling, Israel's election from the very beginning was as the firstborn nation. Not meant simply that they would be blessed, but that they would bless all the nations. Like this is their role. This is their task. This is their job in this age and the age to come. Okay? Okay, and, and again, this is one of the things in the scriptures that just grinds on you and grinds on you and grinds on you because you guys have been reading your Bible for a long time. It grinds on you until you submit to it and say, okay, God, this is what you've chosen to do. I'm just going to go with it, okay? Over and over in the scriptures, um, it's clear the Messiah is the firstborn son. He is the firstborn servant of the Lord, right? Isaiah 42, Isaiah says this, Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him, right? Jesus goes into the waters of baptism and then comes up. What happens? The spirit descends like a dove. This is my beloved son and who I am well pleased. He will bring forth justice to the nations, okay? So Jesus, the son and servant, is the, is the son and is the servant who will make all things new. Hallelujah, amen, right? No issue there. And that's all over the scriptures. Like there's a single chosen seed who's gonna do all this stuff. But also, over and over in the scriptures, the Lord speaks of a servant, of a son, of a chosen, of an appointed, not as a singular he, but as a plural, as the nation of Israel, Okay, the, the ethnic descendants of Abraham. Exodus 4.22, he's about to do all the plague spits. He says to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son, Pharaoh. And if you mess with my firstborn son anymore, I'm going to mess with yours. This is my firstborn son. Jeremiah 31, I am a father to Israel. Ephraim, it's a pet name for Israel, is my firstborn. Speaking of, of the Lord's servant, Isaiah declares, Isaiah 49.6, which is how Paul, who is a Jew, understands his ministry. I will make you, Israel, a light for the nations, for the other 69, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Okay? So all the way through, this servant is a singular he. He's going to fix everything. And also this servant is a plural you. Israel, okay? And this doesn't take away from Jesus. Psalm 98, Jesus is the firstborn, the highest of the kings of all the earth. No one has an issue with that. But as the firstborn son, in God's wisdom, in God's sovereignty, he has chosen to administer the redemption through the firstborn family, Israel, okay? I might have just totally lost you, so we'll just read more Bible, all right? So it's not just an appointed man, not just an appointed king, but it's an anointed and appointed people but also, and it gets even weirder now, an appointed and chosen place. <laughs> the Messiah will rule not just the people of Israel, but all the nations of the earth from Israel. Okay? <laughs> Psalm 72, may the royal son 
have dominion from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth. All nations will be blessed through him, and the whole earth will be filled with his glory. Zechariah 9, behold, your king is coming to you, and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth. And there's like 10 more of those, okay? The sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth language doesn't come out of thin air, okay? Right? David's not writing that psalm. The scribes of Zechariah aren't writing down Zechariah 9 because you know what? River to rivers from the sea to the ends of the earth, that sounds good. You know, it's got a to it. That's not why they write it. They write that because that's the exact language that the Lord promises Abraham from the rivers, and you can go to Genesis and read, to the ends of the earth. Romans 4.13, Paul says that Abraham, his inheritance is the whole world from the river to the ends of the earth, okay? Jeremiah 23, I will raise up for David a righteous branch. He shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness where? In the land, okay? In that spot. And it doesn't, if that's weird, it doesn't, it doesn't stop there. It gets weirder. The Messiah is not just expected to reign from that land generically, but from a specific city within the land. We're just narrowing down the whole bit. 2 Samuel 5, which is just a beautiful story. Okay, David wants to build a house for the Lord. He says, it's not okay that, that I live in this palace and the Lord only has a tent, only has a tabernacle. So we go, I can't remember his name right now. It just escapes me. Garage sale brain. Okay, he goes, he goes to this guy, he says, hey, I want to buy, buy your field. I want to build a house for the Lord. And the guy says, oh, it's for the Lord. I'll give it to you for free. And David says, I'm not going to give what costs me nothing. Right? He doesn't want to just, if he's going to build it for the Lord, he wants it to cost something, which is another sermon for itself. But this field in Israel, in the land that God promised Abraham, that will eventually become Jerusalem, where the Messiah's throne will sit. And so this place, again, the Psalms are offering commentary on what actually takes place in the Bible. It gets picked up in the Psalms, Psalm 48, and it becomes the city of the great king which Jesus affirms, right, in the Sermon on the Mount, the city of the great king. Isaiah picks this language up. Behold, I create new heavens and new earth, which, again, we're all fine with. Like, we read that, like, heck yeah, you know. Be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. And then it gets weird. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people to be a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and crying will be heard in it no more. Okay, so you're tracking what's going on here. I'm saying the redemption, the restoration of all things, I'm saying it has a zip code. All right? 9103401. It's where this thing starts. The, the healing of the nations, the restoration of all things. You can map quest it. All right. God will administer the blessing of all the nations from Mount Zion, a, a hill in southeast Jerusalem. Zion is Psalm 68, the mount that God desired for his abode. Yes, where the Lord will dwell forever. Psalm 132, which is a hilarious scripture to me. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling, saying this, Zion, this little hill in Jerusalem, this is my resting place forever and ever. Here I will sit enthroned, for I have desired it. Here I will make a horn grow up for David and set a lamp for my anointed one. Okay, so I was reading, this was probably two years ago, I was just 
reading Psalm 132. It's probably on the reading plan or whatever. I'm just reading it and reading it and reading it and reading it. Just, oh, the Lord has chosen Zion for his dwelling. This is where he's going to sit. This is where he's going to rest over and over and over. And the thought just came into my head. I was like, well, duh. Like, where else is he going to dwell? Dallas? You know? Like, it's just obvious. It's just, you start in Genesis. You read through. I mean, it's just obvious. If Jesus is returning to the earth and we believe he is, where's he going to live? You know? I would, go, you know, I would go to the beach if I were him. I, I, would, I would pick somewhere else. He's chosen Zion. This is where he's going to sit. Isaiah 24, the Lord Almighty will reign on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem before its elders who are Jewish with great glory. Okay? Like, it's a zip code. And listen to what happens when Israel's king takes his place. On that holy hill, Isaiah 2, in the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as chief among all the other mountains. It will be raised above the hills and all nations, okay, assumedly us Gentiles, will stream to it. Many people will say, come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways that we may walk in his path. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Isaiah 25 Stoney's favorite passage, he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that's cast over all the peoples. When he sits on this mountain, he will swallow up death forever. See? The redemption, the resurrection, the restoration of all things, there's a zip code to it. It's real. Psalm 102, the nations will fear the name of the Lord. All the kings of the earth will revere your glory. The Lord God will rebuild Zion and appear in his glory. So the name of the Lord will be declared in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem when the peoples and the kingdoms assemble to worship the Lord. Okay, God chose. He chose. This is what he decided to do. He didn't choose the Americans. Whatever Americans are, like I don't know how you, whatever, we're all melted up in here. He didn't choose the Americans. He didn't choose the Irish. He chose the Israelites. Just how it is. He didn't choose Russia. He didn't choose China. He chose Israel. He didn't choose London. He didn't choose Dallas. He chose Jerusalem. He didn't choose Queen Elizabeth's throne or the Resolute Desk. He chose David's throne. This is what he's decided to do. God has appointed one man, one family, and one place to administer the restoration of all men, all families, and all places. And this is, this is the hope, okay? This is what Israel is looking for. This is what Israel is waiting for. And this is what the apostles bore witness to, okay? This is what the Gospels and Acts and the letters tell us. The apostles taking this narrative from the Tanakh, from the Hebrew Scriptures, and just saying, yeah, even more so because he's risen from the dead, Okay? You say, well, Josh, that's, that's the Old Covenant, Old Testament. Jesus in the New Testament changed all that. I don't think so. Let's look at some. Gabriel's announcement, okay? So do you guys know Christmas? Angel shows up to Mary. Yeah, okay. It's a cool story. You should read it sometime. Okay. Gabriel appears to Mary, and he says, He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom, there will be no end. What does Gabriel think about the redemption? I think he thinks it comes through a son 
Okay, he will have the throne of his father David and will rule over the house of Jacob and then assumedly over all the nations of the earth and this kingdom will endure forever without end. What about Mary, okay? Because Mary hears the announcement, now she's got to interpret it, which is all of our problems, right? We have the perfect word of God and we gotta figure out what it means. Okay, how does Mary interpret the announcement and the birth? She says in her mag- Magnificat, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our father, just like he spoke to our fathers, Abraham, and to his offspring forever. She interprets the angelic announcement as, oh yeah, everything you said, faithful you are, faithful you will be. All, right? All your promises are yes and amen, and now it's in my belly. You know what I mean? Like that, that's what she said. What about Anna? Okay, so we're, we're, not, we're not pregnant. We're not pregnant, okay? When we get pregnant, I wanna name, if it's a girl, Hopefully it's a boy, but if it's a girl, um, I love Anna because she sits in the temple and fasts and prays and waits on the Lord. But, so this is who Anna is. She is waiting for the consolation of Israel. What does she say? They bring Jesus up to the temple to, you know. And at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and speak to him of all, to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Okay, Jesus comes into the temple with Mary and Joseph and she says, oh, this is the signal that God is actually going to redeem and restore Jerusalem and then by default, all the nations of the earth. Here's the promised seed. No change in, in, in the story. What about Jesus, okay? Surely if anyone is going to change the narrative or subvert the narrative or whatever word scholars want to use, that clearly states that all nations will be blessed by Israel's land, people, and, and king. Surely, if anyone can change that, it's Jesus, right? And if Jesus did change it, I'd be fine with it. I would submit to King Jesus and say, okay, this is what you've done, and you're God, so I'll, I'll go with you. But I don't think he does. Matthew 19, Jesus looks at his disciples and says, Truly I tell you, in the renewal of all things, in the restoration of all things, in the redemption, in the resurrection, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, where? In Jerusalem, where the throne is. You, you, you who have followed me, you 12 righteous, repentant Jewish Israelites who are faithful unto death, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging, ruling over the 12 tribes of Israel and by default over all the nations of the earth. During the Last Supper, you are those who have stayed with me in my trials and I assign to you, as my Father assigned to me, a kingdom that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. Isaiah 25, a big wedding feast, well-aged wine, fatty meats, these guys sitting there for real. Matthew 8, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob sitting there for real in my kingdom, and you will sit on thrones judging, ruling, and leading the 12 tribes of Israel. You know? It's like Jesus has read the Old Testament, okay? It's like he wrote it, you know? But Jesus, you know, and, and so, that, sorry, that's a dangerous thing for me. All right? This is the Last Supper, Jesus, Matthew 8, Matthew 19. That's all before Jesus dies and resurrects in a sense and sends the Spirit. So maybe he changed things after that, okay? So after Jesus dies, after Jesus raises from the dead, he has one more chance to change the narrative, all right? He has one, well, he has as many chances as he wants, but go with me. He has one more chance to inform the disciples, hey, the game's changed now, okay? I'm doing a whatever, unethnic thing 
now, and he has 40 days to change this, okay? Acts 1, he presented himself after his suffering alive to them um, and offers many proofs, all right? Hey, can touch my hands, see my feet, I'm, I'm here, I'm real, let's eat breakfast, let's eat fish, appears to them for 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God, okay? The assumed kingdom of their father, David. And so after 40 days of teaching, what is the one question Luke records, okay? 40 days, Jesus, the risen Jesus, has been teaching them. And Luke gives us one question they ask. And they say, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So either Jesus is a horrible teacher, and they, you know, just don't get it. Or Jesus is a phenomenal teacher. And for 40 days has said, I'm going to do everything I promised to Eve and Abraham and David. I'm going to do all of that. Their question is, Lord, what time? When are you going to do it now? Will you do at this time what, what you promised? And circumcise the hearts of your people so that we will never turn from you again. Because that's kind of the hitch in the redemption story is our hearts. <laughs> are you going to fix them now? Are you going to circumcise them now? Do Ezekiel 37. Give us a new heart and a new spirit so we never turn from you again. Will you at this time do as you promised and beautify and restore Jerusalem so that she would be a light to all the nations? Will you at this time do as you promised? Lift Zion up above all other hills. Will you at this time do as you promised? Set up and sit on David's throne. Because you know who's sitting on it at this time? A guy named Herod. Not who you want on that throne, okay? And what does Jesus say? They say, Lord, is it now? Are you going to do it now? What does Jesus say? You idiots, I changed all the Jewish stuff. You know? That's not what he says. He just says, not yet. It's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. And so in the meantime, you guys go back to Jerusalem, wait for the promise of my Father. The Spirit will come on you and you will go into all nations and bear witness that I am the risen King. I am God's appointed agent. And in Acts 17, what does Paul say? He's telling the Gentiles, all the nations, look, God has fixed a day and he has set a man by which he will judge the world in righteousness, okay? And make all things new. Okay? Romans eleven twenty nine. 29, the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. All right? You know, that's not talking about my preaching ministry. Okay? That's not talking, you know, whatever you think you're gifting. That's not. Romans 11 is about Abraham's children. The gifts and callings that God has given to them from Genesis 12 to the end of the story are irrevocable. God has appointed a man and God has appointed a family. Romans 9, they are the Israelites. To them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs. And from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ who is God over all and blessed forever. Amen. Okay? Now, the way this, the way this works out, okay, for Jew and Gentile, in the good... And, and in the back, it's to the Jew first and then the Gentile, okay? Jews and Gentiles both, the path is the same. We put our hope in the Messiah. We repent of our sins and trust in him. And that determines how things work out in the end. So Romans 2, this is the last passage I will read. But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath 
when his righteous judgment will be revealed, assumedly by his anointed one, right? By his appointed one. God will give to each person, Jew and Gentile, according to what he has done. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory and honor and immortality, he will give to them eternal life, Jew and Gentile. But for those who are self-seeking and those who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger for the Jew and the Gentile. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. This is how God has set it up to work, and he is wiser than me. He is wiser than you. He is who he is. So if I created more questions today um, and, and didn't answer a lot, I'm sorry. But I'm trying to nail down what, what was the witness, the, what, what did the apostles bear witness to? And you can't separate the hope of the Messiah with, with the election of the people. You just can't do it. And the apostles don't do it. And so as you read through your Bible, especially you get into Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to to Revelation, if you've got this backdrop that this doesn't change. Covenants don't change. They're not abrogated. They're not superseded. Um, That's going to help you understand what's going on and the point. So you order your life around it. Again, I don't don't care if you know Bible verses if, if you're not humble and repentant towards God. I don't care. Neither does he. Okay? So I'm going to, Robert, if you can help us. I I just want to pray. So if you can stand. There's a couple things I want to pray for. So bow your heads or do whatever it is you do to talk to the Lord. God, first, we just, um, God, if we've ignored that left part of our Bible, um, we repent. God, if we have... um, Consciously or unconsciously, God, uh, avoided what you've promised in the covenants um, as it regards the election of Israel, the choosing of Israel to mediate, God, the blessing, to administrate the blessing of all the nations. Um, God, we we repent and, and we come and we say, God, we want the whole counsel of God. We want the whole thing. God, I ask you, um, God, next, for our hearts to be repentant towards the Messiah. God, for the one uh, who you have anointed, who you have appointed and given a day to judge the world in righteousness. God, to, to reward the righteous, to punish the wicked and make all things new. God, I ask that our hearts would be repentant towards him. God, that we would have humility and contriteness towards him. God, signing up again to say yes to that today um, or for the first time, saying yes, I will trust in God's Messiah. I will trust in his anointed one. I will believe that his life and death and resurrection was for the forgiveness of my sins. And if I repent and turn, my sins will be blotted out and he will send the Messiah appointed for you to bring times of refreshing and the restoration of everything the making of, of all things new. And God, I ask for uh, an impartation of wisdom and understanding. And God, from, from this Gentile congregation, I ask that there would be such a place of honor 
for our older Jewish brothers. God, even those who, who uh, are at present are God's enemies, Romans 11. God's enemies refusing him, rejecting him. But according to the covenants, our beloved. So God, we pray for the salvation of the Jewish people. God, we ask that you would send um, missionaries, God. You would send people to them to say, I believe all the same promises as you. But I believe Jesus is the one in whom they find their yes. He is the one in whom they are all going to be fulfilled. He is the one in whom they are confirmed. So God, would you turn your people, God. God, if their rejection of you God, has led, has led to our being grafted in. God, how much more, Romans 11, will their acceptance bring life from the dead? So we look to the restoration of Israel, the restoration of Jerusalem, the restoration of your people, God, so that all the earth will be blessed and every nation in the earth will worship Jesus as King. In the name of Jesus. So we're going to have our, um, our elders at the front. You can come and pray with them um, in response to this or for anything else. We just want to pray now. If you're not up here, pray in your pew. Okay, don't check out right now. We have, we have time to pray, so let's do it.